Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Friday, January 27th, and we start, as always, with local news. Alderman Hazel Nieves conceded the current code in Spring Hill in regards to fireworks is acceptable. But following a presentation from Fire Chief Greg Temple at the most recent Board of Mayor and Alderman meeting, the outgoing Ward 4 representative could not hold back on her thoughts. Nieves, who recently announced she would not seek a second term as Alderman, said placing more restrictions on fireworks in the city of Spring Hill is an overreach of government. One of the things about Tennessee is it reminds me of the grassroots of what this country stood and stands for, she said, allowing individuals to be responsible for themselves rather than the government having a say about everything we do. I think it is one of the beautiful things that's still here in this state, although I do see that eroding, she said. A native of Oklahoma, Nieve said she moved to California where the regulations from the government left her fireworks deprived. I come from a state that had a lot of regulations. I think we have citizens here that are adult enough to pay taxes and invest enough in the city. They are also adult enough to conduct themselves as well as possible, she said. Her objections are on the heels of a proposed change to the city's Title VII code, which includes fire protection and fireworks. Chief Temple removed several dates when fireworks are allowed to be publicly displayed, including Memorial Day, Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day. Those are not the typical dates that the community would celebrate with fireworks. Pretty much everyone looks at July 4th as being a large event and New Year's Eve, he said. The other ones were holidays that were popular outdoor holidays. They're in the summer months or the spring months. But beyond that, there was no reason to have those dates. We added a section for religious ceremonial events for a special permit for those, he said. Temple said the removal of those dates is to control the threat of fire as well as injuries. He noted many municipalities don't allow individual display of fireworks at all. Fireworks are dangerous. They're great for celebration. A lot of communities focus more on holding a singular event versus allowing individuals to go out and do it at their homes, he said. Temple did not have data available on the number of fire calls to which the department was dispatched during the meeting. Nieves added she did not believe there was a large problem in the city with regards to fire safety when it comes to fireworks, adding that when citizens choose to shoot fireworks, it isn't simply to annoy neighbors or scare pets. We've not really had any major issues with safety. What I'm hearing from citizens here is that people want to be able to celebrate, she said. We don't have a lot of opportunities to do that here in the city. We don't have a lot of recreation. They want to be able to celebrate. It's a meaningful thing to them, she said. Chief Temple said the fire department fields a number of complaints for fireworks. He said the language in the proposed ordinance would limit the time, but would not be too restrictive, saying if not, there could be someone partying as hard at 3 a.m. as they have all night, which could disturb others, he said. Alderman John Canapari asked Nieves where to draw the line when it comes to fireworks and when they should be allowed in the city. If we take Alderman Nieves' philosophy down the track a little bit, we shouldn't have any restrictions, he said. You have the personal freedom. You live in Tennessee. Why not shoot them off whenever you feel like it, he asked. Mount Pleasant Middle School hosted area teams for the VEX Robotics Challenge last week, or Challenge at the Mount, with a total of 11 Mount Pleasant Middle School students competing for a chance to advance to the state competition in March. 
A couple of the home teams walked away with state qualifying wins for Mount Pleasant Middle students for the year, said Mount Pleasant Middle School teacher Audrey Bryant, who hosted the event and is Teacher of the Year winner at the school. STEM schools place a sharp focus on subjects that prepare students for the fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, Bryant said. Mount Pleasant Elementary, middle, and high schools were the first designated STEM schools in the county. Bryant, who has helped prepare students for the contest for multiple years, said she won a grant for her school in 2018 to allow students to pursue robotics, but at the time she was new to the subject. Her work with the students established the middle school as an event partner with VEX Robotics, Bryant said, the only event of its kind in this part of the state. With a previous competition in October and the qualifiers last week, Bryant said Mount Pleasant students are in the midst of their biggest season yet. Taking top recognition for the academic year is Mount Pleasant's Team 38474B, which secured a third qualifier for the season that will send them to the state competition in March. The team won a design award on January 14th, excelling them in key markers during the competition. It always feels good to have a successful tournament day, but it's even more special to know you did a good job at your own tournament, Mount Pleasant 6th grader Tolan Anto said. The students have a goal of continuing to improve before the state championship and perhaps qualify for the world championship in May. I'm most proud of how we've improved our robot's ability to shoot discs into the scoring zones, Mount Pleasant 7th grader Max White said. It's not perfect yet, but we've got a long, but we've come a long way. I enjoy robotics because I love problem solving and trying new things, he said. Students must design a robot that can score points based on disc placements around the board, which is dependent on writing effective code that controls the robot's ability to project the discs. Collaboration is a key component of the robotics experience, Bryant said. Within a team, students have to assign roles and communicate constantly to bring their working robot together. Another of the three Mount Pleasant teams, 38474A, finished Challenge at the Mount ranking third in robot skills. Robotics teaches teamwork, leadership, and communication, said Mount Pleasant sixth grader with, a, with the A-team, Elijah Wisniewski. It's a great way to, for people to come together and challenge themselves to gain new skills. The emphasis on teamwork during the competitions is apparent and pairs with their skills such as critical thinking, problem-solving, and creativity. Brainstorming design concepts, building, coding, troubleshooting, driving, documenting their design process in their engineering notebook, and developing game strategies are all tasks that team members must delegate to each other throughout the process, Bryant said. If students qualify at the state competitions in March, they will advance to the world championships in May. Columbia's Arts District is thriving while also undergoing a makeover that will undoubtedly create a welcoming environment for both locals and visitors to the dimple of the universe. A $2.1 million streetscape project on Garden Street, set to include paving, utility relocation, and additional space for community art visibility, coupled with the $830,000 sidewalk project on South High Street, will transform an already vibrant neighborhood into another unique place to be for local events, shopping, and eating, in addition to the city's booming downtown. There has been a lot of commitment from the city and continues to be made, Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder said. If you look at the whole body of work over time, where we are today is a long way from where we started, but we still have a long way to go, he said. 
The district, established in 2016, allows additional property rights for owners and tenants for properties within the special zoning overlay, limited for use of artists and artisans, and the establishment of artistic and creative enterprises, workshops, and retail and living spaces, regardless of existing zoning classifications. Because of that distinction, the number of businesses and housing projects in the district have skyrocketed, which has caught the attention of national brands such as Bradley Mountain, a San Diego business that has since relocated to the district. We were hunting for a place that had a lot of growth potential, a lot of excitement around it, and we just love the character, Bradley Mountain owner Tyler Axtell said. Bradley Mountain will soon open its doors to the public on Garden Street with American-made leather goods in the retail shop, but also serving coffee, beer, and cocktails. Business owners are being drawn to the district for the vibe businesses and shoppers have created over the last few years. Travis Mitchell, who recently opened his hairstyling shop inside Cult Persona, located on the top floor of the Columbia Arts Building, said being another... Being around other creatives is what drew he and his wife to the district for their business. I'm a hairstylist. I cut men's hair, women's hair, and for me, it is art. Creating shapes and silhouettes, he said. What better place to submerge yourself in that type of work than around other creatives and other artists? Being around people who paint, who do sculpture, metalwork, and woodworking, it's really inspiring, he said. There are a number of new businesses as well as home renovations popping up in the district, which Mulder says is vital to the success of the arts district. The city has installed covered trolley stops inside the district while expanding the designation to include the James K. Polk home and the Mule House. If you look at the big picture at where the arts district sits today versus where it sat when it first began, there have been a lot of changes, primarily changes for the positive, in my opinion, Mayor Mulder said. We know that we, as a government, can only do so much to help spur the growth and the vitality of the district. Most of that has has to come from the business owners, the residents, and the owners of other properties, he said. The Columbia Arts Building has a number of tenants, including the popular sandwich shop Ollie and Finn's and Bad Idea Brewing, but also features shopping on the first floor as well, though, according to Butler stationery owner Jonathan Butler, that is one of the better-kept secrets in town. A lot of people don't realize there is a first floor. They think the first floor is upstairs where the food is. Other than that, we have quite a few vendors down here, and we all get along. It kind of has its own little build, built-in community, he said. Butler opened his shop where he sells high-end stationery inside the collaborative space as a way to see if his business is viable like others have done before moving out of the cab and into more prominent locations around the city. I've never found a place where you could go in and try stationery out. Everything is online, and it's no fun to shop online, he said. The main appeal for me in the cab is it's a good place to test the idea. The price is right, the location is decent, but it's a smaller store. It worked out well to help us see if it's a viable idea or not. While the Arts District is continuing to grow and become a more vibrant sector inside the city, Mulder said he believes on a personal level that the district is something that can unite Columbia residents with a common thread. It's a different part of town that attracts different types of people. It's attractive across the spectrum, he said. I want to live in a hometown that has a little something for everyone. I want to live in a hometown that has something that my kids will want to come back to, and if they don't, that they have a fond piece of their mind that brings them back here in some form or fashion, he said. While the downtown square and the spokes from that area get much deserved recognition, this is where the city can show off its personality. 
We are trying to find ways to connect downtown with the arts district so that when folks visit our downtown, they don't just leave and they visit the arts district or go to the factory on the other side of the town, he said. It'd be hard-pressed to find a vibrant community that doesn't also have vibrant quality of life amenities. I think having vibrant outdoor community space is important for a community. Art brings people together. I want to live in a community that is united by what brings them together rather than dividing by what makes them separate, he said. The Bridge Hunters Chronicle 2022 International Contest has awarded the endangered Sandy Hook Bridge in Murray County three gold medal awards, a silver medal, and the Editor's Choice Award. The Sandy Hook Bridge has five concrete arches with parapets and was built by W.B. King in 1916. Murray County, who owns the bridge, originally planned to remove the structure for safety reasons last year, but local residents have put up a fight to ensure that the bridge is not demolished, but is instead restored as a pedestrian bridge. Now the group that is working to preserve the bridge has three gold medals and a silver to add to their argument that the bridge is historically significant. The Sandy Hook Arch Bridge won in three categories, Best Kept Secret Individual Bridge and Bridge of the Year, both by wide margins. In the category Best Bridge Photo, there are two different photos of the bridge. Both of them received the top two finishes and will be showcased in the Chronicles website online, as well as its Facebook page for the next six months. The efforts to save the bridge have been embattled. The preservation group's attorneys filed a complaint on January 4th against Murray County Highway Superintendent Van Boshears and the Murray County Highway Department for failing to follow state statute 5410216, which pertains to procedures for closing bridges or roads. If there's no reply by the county attorney by February 3rd, an injunction will be filed. Steve Slocum and Brian Paddock are the attorneys for the Sandy Hook Bridge Group. The complaint is on file with the Murray County Chancery Court. After Daryl Lynn, a Columbia native, revitalized an old 1950s shirt factory in Columbia in 2018, the factory at Columbia on North James Campbell Boulevard has become an incubator for almost 20 small businesses and counting, as well as the largest event venue in Murray County. After an unexpected family situation, Lynn said he recently sold his beloved renovated 67,000-square-foot building to two couples, who he believes will carry his vision of growth and expansion forward. It was the time, Lynn said. We originally wanted another several years before selling. Lynn, a current Franklin resident and a graduate of Columbia Central High School, returned to his hometown after retiring from his private industrial construction business, bringing a world traveler perspective and business acumen to create a community gathering place where Columbians can grab coffee, pizza, baked goods, a historic book, antique, or piece of fine art. Last week, Lynn said he has passed the torch, selling the factory to couples John and Ashley Pomeroy of Franklin and Chris and Christy Pochet of Spring Hill, who will also be new tenants, bringing their 8,000-square-foot interior design business, Dwell Boutique, to the building. The Pomeroys and Pochets will also take over Lynn's antique businesses, Vintique.com and Leatherbooks.com, which, both of which are housed at the factory and accessible online. Ashley Pomeroy and Christy Pochet have almost 20 years' experience in retail and design, while John Pomeroy and Chris Pochet work in corporate IT and finance industries. These are two incredible couples with a phenomenal plan to take the factory forward into the future with more events, tenants, and upgrades, Lynn said. 
John Pomeroy said the excitement of the current direction of the factory and its future potential piqued the interest of the couples as their next venture. We are very excited about the opportunity to serve the community, Pomeroy said. Lynn will serve as a consultant for the factory for a year. It's been five years and an absolute joy to watch Columbia grow during that time, Lynn said. It's been great to see the businesses thrive and expand with the factory as their home base, he said. From only a few tenants in 2018, with some of the first being Nashville Tea Company, Bee's Salty and Sweet Bakery, and Wear It Well Consignment, the factory has grown to house over 20 tenants from food to retail, art, antiques, and world-class cobbler's potter and son's shoe repair. Today, the parking lot is almost full every day, Lynn said, drawing over 1,000 visitors during weekend events like a very Murray Christmas Bazaar to 500 guests at Gallus. We are excited to join the foundation and community that Daryl Lynn has created, Chris Pochet said. The Pomeroys and Pochets plan to make cosmetic upgrades to the factory, offer more events and vendor fairs, using an event planner, and draw more tenants to the space. We believe in the factory and its potential, and we certainly believe in Columbia, Pomeroy said. The foundation is here. He said Columbia's explosive growth drew them to open a business in the city and purchase the factory. The big draw of the factory is that families can spend a half day here, Pomeroy said. They can shop, eat breakfast, have pizza or a taco, and even freshly squeezed lemonade, he said. We are very excited to carry the vision forward. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Lula May Rochelle Riley, 86, of Columbia, passed away on Monday, January 23rd at NHC Murray Regional Transition Care Center. Funeral services for Mrs. Riley will be conducted on Friday, January 27th at 11 a.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. Mr. David L. Edwards Sr., 91, died Friday, January 20th at his home in Southern Oaks Senior Living Community in Henderson, Tennessee. Funeral services for Mr. Edwards will be conducted on Friday, January 27th at 2 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home in Columbia. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. The family will visit with friends on Friday from 12 p.m. until service time at the funeral home. Mr. Elmer Dwayne E.D. Brewer, 78, a resident of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, died Monday, December 19th in his home. A memorial service will be conducted on Saturday, January 28th at 12 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Inurnment will follow at Rose Hill Cemetery. The family will visit with friends on Saturday from 10 a.m., until service time at the funeral home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness, and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people, and we work hard to do things well, but we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. 
Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia, since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we will have partly cloudy skies with a high near 55 degrees today. Winds will be out of the south-southwest at 10 to 20 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect clear skies and a low of 34. Winds will calm a bit to 5 to 10 miles per hour. For your weekend forecast, we will have mostly sunny skies on Saturday with rain developing overnight on Saturday and into Sunday. Highs will be in the high 50s on Saturday and low 50s on Sunday. Overnight lows will be in the mid-40s. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwenGroup or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello, friends. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Thank you seems appropriate for this time of year. At Tennessee Children's Home, we have even more to be thankful for this year. We have a new campus and have moved in. We've been overwhelmed by the support you have given us to the move to the new campus. Please continue to support us as we try to pay off this debt. Please go to our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, for more information. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. 
More than 95% of people incarcerated in Tennessee will come home. I knew it would be tough re-entering society, and I figured I would need help. It's okay. Help is available. The new Tennessee Office of Reentry helps get jobs for people who have been arrested, charged, incarcerated on probation or parole. <laughs> Man, I'm glad to get some help. For more info, go to tnworkready.com. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Labor and Workforce Development, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. Now news from around the state. State Representative Kip Capley, a Republican from Summertown, has been appointed to serve on four committees for the 113th Tennessee General Assembly. Capley, who is elected in November, will serve on the Civil Justice Committee, Civil Justice Subcommittee, Insurance Committee, and Insurance Subcommittee. As the youngest House member, Kip Capley brings new perspectives to the House Civil Justice and House Insurance Committees and Subcommittees, said House Speaker Cameron Sexton. Representative Capley has already proven he is an effective leader for his community. I know he will be incredibly successful, and his dedication to service will benefit the citizens of Wayne, Hardin, Lawrence, and Murray Counties, and all of Tennessee, he said. The 113th Tennessee General Assembly officially convened on January 10th. Committee assignments were announced on January 12th. I'm deeply honored for the, by the trust that Speaker Sexton has placed in me with these important committee assignments, Capley said. Passing sound policy that benefits all Tennesseans is my top priority. I look forward to working alongside my fellow committee members to ensure that our state's success continues for generations to come, he said. The union representing Kroger employees in Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee have filed a federal lawsuit alleging that the supermarket chain has not paid employees for all the hours they've worked, including overtime wages. United Food and Commercial Workers Local 400 Union, representing about 13,000 Kroger workers, filed the lawsuit Thursday in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia. It lists four plaintiffs from Virginia and West Virginia, but seeks to make the filing into a class action lawsuit. This is wage theft, plain and simple, said UFCW Local 400 President Mark Federici in a news release. When you work for an employer, you should be compensated completely and correctly for every minute you work. And if you aren't, then your employer is stealing from you, he said. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. <laughs> Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. 
Columbia's own 7th Annual Mid-State Classic Collegiate Softball Tournament returns March 15th at the Ridley Sports Complex. Come see the Lady Volunteers face off against Austin P. starting at 5.30 p.m. Opening game, Columbia State versus Motlow College at 1 p.m. Food trucks on site and parking is free. Tickets are $10 and sold exclusively online at columbiatn.com slash midstateclassic. Or check out the City of Columbia Parks and Recreation today. The Midstate Classic, March 15th. See you at the game. Three, two, one. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. It's that time of year to start preparing for a festive summer wedding season, which is why the factory at Columbia invites brides-to-be to its annual bridal show this weekend. The event will run from noon to 5 p.m. at the 101 North James M. Campbell site, where guests may also shop among the many growing selections of shops, restaurants, and more. Sunday's bridal show will include opportunities for multiple wedding vendors to showcase the latest in fashion, venues, food, photography, planning, and all the other many details that go into prepping for the big day. The bridal show is also free to attend with updates, photos, and more available at the factory at Columbia's the factory at Columbia's Facebook and other social media outlets. It may be cold and wintry outside, but that doesn't mean you can't still pick up lots of fresh produce, smoked meats, and other locally sourced goodies. Columbia's Farmer's Fresh Market continues to draw dozens of vendors and farm-to-table enthusiasts each week, which runs from 8 a.m. to noon every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday at the Farmer's Market Pavilion at Riverwalk Park. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back on Monday to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great weekend.